1: Navy Federal Credit Union. Our members are the mission. Savings products insured by NCUA. Investment products are not insured. Not obligations of Navy Federal and may lose value.
0: Hi, I'm Giancarlo Esposito. And I'm here to introduce you to my new series, Parish. My character, Gray Parish, was a getaway driver. I'm retired from a life, you know that. He's in a world over his head. Tell me about this driver job. And he's asked to start to figure things out. I did what you told me to. He will try to do what's right and seek justice parish all new sundays at nine on amc and stream on amc plus check, check 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 siblings siblings
2: good enough for a podcast roll it
3: this is the wells cast with wells adams an iheart radio podcast boom
2: that's what it is it's wells cast Am I wearing a tie-dye sweatshirt and modern family sweats right now? Yes, I am. Am I embarrassed by this? No, I'm not. Why am I not embarrassed by this? Because this is what you wear to work now when you work from home. If I was wearing jeans and boots and a button-down, I would be concerned about my mental health. I would be. Something's wrong with Wells. He's gotten dressed today. You don't do that. No, man. I literally just got up out of my studio because I was editing another podcast and walked into our room and went in the closet and I was going to change and I thought to myself, no, what are you doing? You're going to put on better clothes for a Skype interview that no one's going to see video for? No. Keep your tie-dye sweatshirt on that for some reason is sponsored by Heineken. Keep your modern family sweats on, which are very comfortable, by the way. If my guest today comes dressed correct, Oh, I don't know. I mean, she probably will because she's not an absolutely just disgusting human being like yours truly. But this is just how I do interviews now. I mean, they never really were very professional to begin with, but now they've really fallen off the rails. And I just don't know if I care anymore. When you listen to this show, just imagine that I'm wearing tails, a top hat. I've got a cane of some sort. I'm Mr. Peanut. Actually, just imagine whatever I'd be wearing in terms of, like, how silly the show is. Like, if we get, I don't know, like a governor or a senator or, like, Neil deGrasse Tyson, someone who of high regard, then I should be wearing a suit and bow tie. But if we got a comedian on, uh, sweats, you know? Swimmer on, bathing suit. Football player on, my high school jersey where I was on the scout team which means I suck. Excited about today's show, by the way. Today, our guest has a brand new movie out where she stars alongside Robert De Niro? What? Okay. She's also got a new EP out called You and a new single out called uh, Can't Help Myself. Her first single has over 60 million views on YouTube. That seems like a lot. Her and her sister have been working in Hollywood, well, since the beginning of their lives. She starred a Disney show back in the day called Austin and Alley, but her first role ever was on a show called Without a Trace. She was on Back to You, Are You Smarter Than a Fifth Grader, and many more. She's literally done it all, and she's like a quarter of the age I am, which is intimidating and just, at the end of the day, just a little embarrassing, but it's fine. I wonder if she's wearing a tie-dye Heineken sweatshirt and modern family sweats. Probably not. She's probably more evolved than that. But I'm very excited for this interview. Everyone, get pumped up. Throw on your comfiest chunky knit, your fuzziest hoodie. Get those sweats out. Throw on some mugs. Cozy up. Because you're about to hear one episode that is going to blow your mind. On the Wells cast this week, it's Laura Morano. It's going to be a good one.
1: Savings products insured by NCUA. Investment products are not insured, not obligations of Navy Federal and may lose value.
4: Hi. Hey. Can you hear me? Yes.
2: Can you hear me? Yes.
4: was so strange it started calling and I was right out to click answer and then it just ended and said I declined it and I was like I didn't press anything
2: (laughs) we're off to a terrible start you know
4: (laughs) it's gonna be great no now it's only gonna
2: go up nope it Laura I'm out listen I can't work (laughs) like this all right (laughs) my reputation is too good I can't work like this
4: How far do I go with this joke? I could have, like, actually hung up and, like, been like, that's hilarious, but technology (laughs) might not work, so I'm like, I'm not going to do that. (laughs) (laughs) How are you? I'm good. How are you doing? I love the dog in the background.
2: Yes, my dog. Kind of amazing. He's cute, but also just uh, horribly annoying and not allowed in the studio room when we're doing this because, you know, he's loud. He's a hound dog. I was just doing my intro into this, and I was talking about how I've completely given up on life and I'm in a tie-dye green Heineken sweatshirt and I'm in modern family sweats and I've just stopped caring. And I was wondering, I was like, I wonder what she's going to do. I wonder if she has also given up, but no, you still have a shred of dignity left and you're in normal clothes. So congratulations
4: i mean it's really party on top sweats on the bottom for sure yeah. like wearing my ugg slippers wearing like sweats upon sweats i realized the other day a couple weeks ago i did full-on press where for the war with grandpa and you know it was still zoom but there was kind of like a budget for a styling budget i'm like great let's do it And when I tried on real clothes, I was like, oh, these don't fit me the same way I thought they would anymore because it's been eight months and I've been wearing sweats and I've been eating a lot. So I feel like I'm kind of half there. I'm half a regular human, but there is still definitely half of me that is not.
2: Yeah. You got the mullet outfit on right now.
4: 100%. Yeah. Mullet mullet outfit all the way.
2: Um, Are you ready to do this thing? Let's do this thing. Laura Morano on the Wells cast, dude, real quick, Robert (laughs) De Niro.
4: Wells, I don't even know what to say. I'm like, I, it's still surreal. It's still weird. He introduced himself as Bob. Like, he's like, I'm Bob. I don't even know nothing else to say. It's incredible.
2: I don't know if I buried the lead or if I straight up just didn't at all, but- You're in a new movie called The War with Grandpa, which uh, hits theaters on October 9th. And Bob De Niro, uh, because now by proxy, I can call him that too, is is starring Robert De Niro. And you're in this movie. So tell me about this film. Okay.
4: First of all, yeah, like you said, it's starring Robert De Niro. But it also has like the craziest cast of all time. So Robert De Niro, full stop, that would have been amazing. But then we have Christopher Walken. Then we have Uma Thurman, we have Cheech Marin, Jane Seymour, Rob Riggle, like it's like the most nuts cast of all time. Um, And it's this really, actually like, super cute family comedy. Again, like these actors that you wouldn't necessarily think would be in this type of genre of a film. Um, But it's basically about Robert De Niro is the grandfather who moves into his daughter's house with her three kids, her husband, and moves into his grandson's old room. Grandson is pissed about it. Grandson's like, I'm going to start a war, because obviously that's what you do. Grandson's going through stuff, starting middle school, a lot of things happening. So basically, kind of to Rob Schneider's character, starts a little fun, but it It gets quite intense, and they start this quote-unquote war where it's very Home home Alone-esque hijinks. It gets more and more intense, like there's a snake at one point, there's crazy stunts. Um, But at the end of the day, it really is actually just a film about family, and no matter how crazy they're driving you, they love you, and there's an unconditional love there, which I think is a very relevant message right now.
2: Are you like the older sister?
4: So I'm so the older sister. I'm like stereotypical older teen having kind of issues with my mom. It's this kind of sweet parallel of the issues I'm having with her issues that she had with Robert De Niro. Um, Not Robert De Niro, the character, like (laughs) Robert De Niro, but like her dad, his character. And... I have a boyfriend or crush or, you know, this guy issues. Mom, Uma Thurman does not approve. We get in a screaming match. That was very intimidating as an actress, let me tell you. Um, But, yeah, I'm kind of in my own world that I'm not even noticing a war is going on.
2: Yeah. You're the typical older sister who's, like, mean to the little brother. I get it.
4: Finding independence, living life. I have to say there's one point in the story that I, my character Mia, I feel like it's super unfair here's her brother who's been doing like this cr- like crazy crazy shit all the, the whole movie like people are getting hurt like insane not really but kind of And I just like snuck out with my boyfriend and we get the same punishment. And I'm like, that is a little unfair. I'm just saying
2: that. I didn't realize that Christopher Walken was in it. Wow. Christopher Walken. The last time I remember Bob De Niro and Christopher Walken on the same set (laughs) was deer Hunter, which was in like the seventies. It won like the Academy for best picture. They talk about that stuff. I,
4: Okay, so most of my scenes were with Uma Thurman, Rob Riggle, or Bob. So I didn't have any scenes with Christopher Walken. Um, so I'm sure it came up. Like, I know Bob was very, like, he was excited. They were excited to work together again. I think it's kind of hilarious because Deer Hunter obviously has, like, a lot of a lot of the plot has to do with war. And yeah. here's this movie that also has to do with war, but it's a very different type of genre. <laughs> so I... <laughs> I think it's kind of amazing that they work together on this again.
2: What was it like working with all these heavy hitters? Was it intimidating or was it just a complete learning process or was it fun or were you just, did you just get drunk the entire time to like cope with it? Like, what, how does this work?
4: Definitely not drunk. I do not drink on the job. And at that point, I'm trying to remember because we found this so long ago. I do think I was 21 at that point. I was so intimidated, kind of all of the above, right? I was intimidated, I was excited to learn, I was, you know, nervous, so nervous, out of my mind, nervous. But it ended up being just this really incredible experience, super surreal. I would go on set, I don't have a huge part in the movie, but I would go on set just to like watch the actors. Sounds creepy, I swear I wasn't, maybe it was a little creepy, but I would, you know, You have all these legendary people. I'm like, oh, I want to watch. I want to see what their process is. Everyone's process is a little bit different. Um, But I feel like Bob kind of broke the ice a little bit. It was such a classy move. On the first day of filming, he got gifts and wrote, like, uh, excited to work with you note to everyone in the cast. And I'm like, everyone in the cast, which is... I think such a really, even in that way, I feel like I learned as an actress, because that's such a great way to start off a film shoot. That's such a great vibe. That's such a, for me, breaking the ice kind of moment of someone who was so intimidated to work with him. So I, I, I think overall at the end of the experience, I, it's still surreal. It was still even intimidating afterwards, but it was truly so, so incredible.
2: When you think about it, it's like he has to know that it's intimidating to work with him. And he's had to probably figure out ways of easing the tension on set because it's Robert De Niro. But also, I guess it's a testament, the man he is, that he's at least self-aware of it and then trying to make things easier for everyone on set, which I think is really cool. That's a really cool story. Do you have any other, like, amazing story from... That shoot that blew your socks off?
4: First thing I just wanted to say really quickly is Robert De Niro is exactly what you would think Robert De Niro would be like. So he's like super classy, but he's super intimidating. And he's just like that the whole time. He's like really kind of like serious. He'll like sometimes smile, but he's like, he's just like everything you think he would be, um, uh, which was kind of amazing, right? I, I also feel like he's such truly a genuine person. So what you see in interviews, what you see is like completely what you get. It's kind of amazing. um. But on the first night uh, before filming, or it was like a, a couple of nights before filming, but we all were in Atlanta. The producers had us all, you know, have dinner together. And I was sitting with, I think, Jane Seymour. Uma was somewhere there because Uma's birthday, I think, was that night. Um, and I'm not sure what happened, but I was drinking one that night. And I had like one glass and I completely spilled my glass all over the table. Like, almost on james seymour and i was like this is the most embarrassing moment of my life but then james seymour and i ended up becoming like best friends the whole shoot so i feel like it was kind of a good thing to happen
2: we've all been there too right we're like you're not drunk but you've tipped something over so then you're like everyone just assumes i'm now yeah. i'm now now i'm that guy
4: now i'm that person so embarrassing <laughs> but it was it was kind of hilarious
2: Bob De Niro is exactly like you think Bob De Niro would be. I think Bob De Niro would be like a little bit meet the fuckers Bob De Niro, but more liberal. (laughs) A liberal version of meet the fuckers Bob De Niro. Yeah.
4: 100%. Like I think everyone would be probably correct in what they think Bob would be. Yeah. I don't, I feel like I was, and I was still so intimidated, but I was still. Like, nothing about the experience necessarily surprised me. It was still surreal. And it was intimidating. But when I got that note and when I got that gift and when he did that, I'm like, that didn't surprise me. When, you know, when we would go on set and he would take, like, the crap seriously, that didn't surprise me. When he was like, like, just everything didn't surprise me about him, if that makes sense.
2: That's awesome. Aside from working with Bob, who were you the most excited to work with cuz this i didn't realize that the cast was like this this is bonkers
4: yeah well i think i was definitely most excited for bob yeah. um i'm italian i he's like italian legend <laughs> yeah i have a weird family connection as well to um raging bull so i was like that was kind of a cool thing to do with him and that was just still working with him will, I think, forever be one of the greatest moments of my life. I got randomly close, even though I didn't have many scenes with her. We were just always in the van together with Jane Seymour. She was awesome. I was, like, obsessed with her. And Rob Riggle, who plays my dad, we got pretty close. And he actually invited me to this amazing charity weekend he does in Kansas City every year called Big Slick. And that was kind of an amazing experience because... This weekend, there's a lot of people from Kansas City who are part of this weekend who help organize it. So it's like Paul Rudd, it's Eric uh, Stone uh, Street, yeah. Yes, it's exactly it's this event, right? And so I end up going to that weekend for the first time because rob invited me and that was amazing it was like you play softball you bowl it's just you sing karaoke at night it's it truly play poker um it was so fun it was like such an unbelievably fun time and that only happened because rob and i met and worked together on the war with grandpa but honestly like my biggest regret is i wish i had more scenes with everyone like I wish I had more scenes with um cheech Jane and, and Chris but honestly I am just I'm st- I'm still blown away that I got to work with everyone it's still nuts to me it was, this is three and a half years later I am just excited the movie's coming out
2: yeah again it's called the war with grandpa it's in theaters October 9th is it also like it's we're living in such weird times where it's a lot of people are scared to go to theater. So is there also a streaming release set or something?
4: Yeah, I think probably in time for the holidays, yeah. there's going to be a, a pretty easy way for people to watch at home. So, yeah, I think it's it's funny. This movie has gone through so much on the kind of behind the scenes way or the behind the scenes situation. So there was a part of me that I'd never even thought the movie was going to come out truly. So the fact that the movie is coming out is amazing. The fact that it's coming out in this time is interesting, but in a lot of ways, I think this movie is going to resonate with a lot of families and hopefully be something that they can really enjoy all together.
2: Why didn't you think it was going to be released?
4: Well, it was basically uh, a dimension Film distributed film, and for those who don't know, Dimension was a production company under the Weinstein Company. Ah. And so we filmed it, um, literally a few months before everything came out about Harvey. And we were gonna, it was good. Like it came out in October, and the movie was gonna come out in October. And literally in September, they were like, "We're pushing to February because we just need a little bit more time," which happens all the time. And then everything came out the Weinstein company went bankrupt this movie was a part of the assets of the company being bankrupt like that lawsuit went on for like a really long time over the bankrupt uh you know assets and everything so for me I was like I just don't know if it's if it's ever gonna come out there is a world where it might not ever come out but the producers are absolute bosses and have been working so so tirelessly to like get it back and put it out so i'm really excited for them because i think this is a, a an awesome project and i think they killed it on the producing side
2: speaking of working really hard you have a new ep out right now called you
4: yeah
2: i'm over here in sweats and tie-dye hoodie and you're over there putting out movies and ep so tell me about you by
4: the way confusing the title is yeah I released my first EP that I released last year was me same thing yeah I'd be like hey guys can we talk about me and I'm like wait (laughs) no not not me me no but you is speaking of which kind of a continuation of the stories and story I was telling on the me EP so it's a little bit the next chapter in the story it's a bit of a more moody dramatic, emotional vibe, sonically, lyrically, than the Me EP was. It's definitely related in that, you know, it's kind of the next stage in the relationship, right? So a lot of the songs, on me or about falling in love or about being kind of in this like fun light space besides one of my songs on that EP, which is quite emotional. Uh, the UEP though, is a bit like a, 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 sequel to some of those songs. It's kind of more vulnerable, more raw. What happens when you're on that next stage of a relationship? Some of the songs kind of explore that, you know, what is a different perspective? What's a different side of the story? Um, some other songs kind of explore that. So I think, For me, when I was making the Me EP, I definitely had a thought, well, I want to continue this story on another group of music that isn't this. And so I kind of started planning it the same time I was playing the Me EP. So it's been a long time coming. And definitely I was reworking the songs during this time. I think feelings and vibes and everything that I've been feeling in quarantine and for the last eight months – is also very much in this music um sonically it was very informed by this time because i had to build a recording studio in my closet um so <laughs> yes so you feel me so it's definitely been um it's been a work a, a, a work in process for sure um but i i think everything informed it and made it the way it is and so i'm really really proud of it
2: can i play some of can't help myself
4: yes please do i, know what I'm doing. I remember just how you want it your lips are tell a lie but your body's always honest every word you say is ironic because i know you know small talk is sweet Just another second till you're naked. Every single promise I
3: made.
2: Just a couple seconds till you're naked. Uh, You're a Disney Channel kid, Laura. What are you saying about?
4: I know it's funny. I have a few friends with this song in particular who are like, oh, yeah. crazy, you said naked. <laughs> and I am laughing because a song on my last EP, I think personally was way edgier Yeah, uh, with language. And I actually kind of think of this song as a sequel to that song. It was called I I don't know, when I was writing it, I think my thought process is I wanted to, I just wanted to write something fun, and flirty, and sexy, and cheeky, and we end up coming up with this really fun melody, we end up coming with this really kind of like cheeky lyric, and I, you know, I I really thought long and hard, I'm like, okay, just another second till you're naked, pretty edgy lyric, like is there anything else that fits in this line, and really nothing else did, nothing else sounded good, so I, I stand by it.
2: Well, I love it. I was listening to this EP before uh, I called you and I really like the title track. When you wake up, I think one of my like standouts that I really, really loved, And then the last track, Run, is really good. Anyways, everyone go check out you on, I guess, wherever you listen to music now. There's a million different platforms. Is the next one going to be us and then like the fourth one going to be them? And like, this is how this works.
4: <laughs> I, think, I think I'm still exploring it. I think there's definitely a little bit more of a story to tell. Um... But I don't know. I'm, I'm still kind of figuring out right now. Uh, I'm just definitely still in the U world. And I actually have some ideas about, like, the deluxe U EP. So without giving too much away, I'm kind of starting to work on that a little bit right now. I don't know. For me, one thing I learned last year is staying in the moment and celebrating what the moment has to bring is really important. And I really didn't do that that much last year. So I'm just kind of soaking in the moment. My EP's released, this movie's coming out and I'm I'm gonna celebrate that for a little.
2: The EP's called You, and the movie's called The War with Grandpa. I want to take a quick break, and when we come back, can we kind of get to the the meat and potatoes of what this show is, which is Origin Stories?
4: Yes, I love
2: it. All right, quick break. When we come back, uh, Laura Morano here on The Wells Cast.
3: Mother's Day is coming, and mom doesn't want flowers, she wants a cocktail. Here's a hint.
1: Savings products insured by NCUA. Investment products are not insured. Not obligations of Navy Federal and may lose value.
2: All right, back in the Wells cast, have Laura Morano on the show. She has a movie out right now with Robert De Niro and Christopher Walken and Jane Seymour called The War with Grandpa. It's hit in theaters October 9th. And then also a new EP out, called you this current single right now is called can't help myself you have been working for a very long time and so i'd love to sit down and chat with people who were kid actors and then became adult actors vis-a-vis my fiance was one of these people and your guys' stories are always bonkers because there's just a little bit of not really knowing what the f- you're doing other than like you like doing the thing that you're doing. How the hell did you get to the point where you're working alongside and across from Robert De Niro?
4: Well, I think, first of all, it's important to say there is this kind of magic component that it's hard to have a an actual like blueprint on, this is how you get to working with Robert De Niro. It's <laughs> the entertainment industry is just a lot of hard work but like three percent to five percent luck that is still a very important kind of aspect of it for me I've been acting since I've been five professionally I kind of fell into it right my mom owns a children's theater and she she did not want my sister and I to get into it. It was really just kind of, she loves the fun aspect. She's such a drama teacher. If you've ever took drama in high school and had a drama teacher, you know, the woman, that's my mom. Um, and so my sister and I grew up there. My, my sister who's older wanted to be an actress. So at six years old, my sister asked my mom, my mom was like, no, absolutely not. That's just not going to happen. No way. Uh, uh-uh. terrible business. Never going to happen.
2: But are you taking classes with like your mom's um acting thing
4: totally we're there we're there i wouldn't even say we're taking classes like we're there my mom it's a children's theater and so she also has like a teen class but she's also you know if my dad's working She takes her kids there, you know, she, so we grew up there. I think my sister started doing some of the plays. I was still pretty young. I was like three at that point. So my sister started kind of doing the plays a little bit and my sister loved it. And my mom's like, cool. That's because this is fun. This is like not a business, but when you becomes a business, it's a totally different situation. So my sister is just so persistent. I mean, could have been a lawyer, like is still kind of a lawyer. Right. And so she, begs my mom every day for two years, every day for two years, right? And so my mom has a friend who is a child actress who kind of made a leap to adult actress a little bit, um, but was basically like, uh, why aren't you supporting your daughter? And my mom's like, what? Like I am being a, I'm being a good mom for not having her be in this. And Basically, her friend kind of guilted her into uh, helping my sister Vanessa get an agent, but my mom still didn't want it to happen. My mom just was like, something in her gut. She's like, it's just not a good business. I don't want this to happen. And I think my daughter doesn't realize how hard it is. So she does research and finds agents that supposedly turn down kids like 95% of the time, right? They are like, they are the tough agents. You bring kids to them, they're not afraid to say no. They usually say no. So my mom's like, perfect. I'll bring my daughter here. It'll be great. She'll get turned down. She'll be like, I don't want to do this anymore. It's too hard. That'll be it. Um I was this is now two years later. I'm five. Vanessa's eight. I go with her and Vanessa goes in. My mom, by the way, who's an acting teacher, doesn't go over the the scene with my sister. She's like, ah, yeah, you're fine, kid. You know, just you know. You're fine, yeah. do it yourself, you got it, right? Sister goes in, she comes back out and the agent asks to see my mom, And so I follow my mom in and I am just, well, I was like an obnoxious five-year-old. You know the type, just super talkative, super precocious, singing all the time, like just annoying, right? Borderline annoying, but very outgoing. We go in and the agent says, we wanna take Vanessa. And my mom's like, what? Uh, just not expecting that. And then I go in and say, well, I don't have an agent. And the agent's like, oh, honey, I'll take you too. And my mom's like, (laughs) are you kidding me? And we've actually been with those agents ever since. Really? 20 years later. Yes.
2: Do they remember the story the same way you do that? Like the prerogative was to turn you guys down?
4: Well, I, how they tell the story, right? Well, first of all, my sister never lets me forget that she did the groundwork. Yeah. That I just I I basically benefited off of her work. But basically, one of the agents, my sister went in, said everything or did did the scene, so was quite good. My the agent brought the other agent in, and then I guess my sister kind of got nervous and messed up a little, and so the agent was like, "Do it again the way we did it." So like she really believed in Vanessa, and like. I don't know where my mom got the information. I think they are quite tough, but they definitely, unless they were having a good day, I'm not sure what the situation was. They were, they were ready to do some signing. It was crazy.
2: It's so funny. Sarah tells a similar story of her dad's an actor and, and he was going in for a part on private parts, the Howard Stern film. She went with him to the audition and she was going to act on a scene, like a play his daughter or whatever. And she got too nervous. And then they left and she wanted to buy an Aristocats DVD on like the sidewalk in Manhattan. And he was like, listen, well, if you had booked that, you could have bought this DVD with your money. So she's like, all right, let's go back. So they go back. She does the read. They go back home. They get the call from the casting director. And her father's like, yes, I got it. You know, like, and they're like, no, we don't want to talk to you. We want to talk to Sarah. And that's how she got her first big role. It's really funny. like, And we We've talked to a couple different actors who have gone in with like their parents or siblings or friends, and they're the ones who get it. And it's a similar thing. i mean This was an agency, but still similar.
4: But it, it, in a weird way, it was kind of like the the best type of situation because Vanessa got it. Vanessa yeah. was the one who kind of did the groundwork and, and made it happen. And I was just the I don't know the the obnoxious outgoing five year old who was like kind of cute and. Basically, loop them into getting me too. Um, our first project we ever did, a similar thing happened. Vanessa went in. She, it was a show called Without a Trace. Um, she went in, did it, got it. And then they decided to make the character a sister. And My agent was like, well, she has a sister. So I went in and then I got it and we played sisters in the show. (laughs) It was just kind of like my poor sister just doing all this work for uh, really making the way for me to start this business right.
2: Yeah. If you win an Oscar, you better, the first thank you better be to Vanessa. (laughs)
4: 100%. I'm like, thank you very much for making this happen.
2: You and your sister get an agent. Your mom's like trying to persuade you against all this, but whatever. It is what it is. Do you remember the first thing you booked?
4: Yeah. So it was a JCPenney commercial. Yeah. I was so weird. I was just like such a weirdo. I, my dad, it was on a weekend. So my dad was able to take me because my mom has classes on the weekend. By the way, I just want to say I have like the most incredible father of all time. He's a great guy. He's a, this Italian professor. He teaches Italian. On this day of the JCPenney commercial, I decided to say over and over again that the director was my dad so I was like dad dad and I was like we talked to the director and my dad was right there it was super weird but that energy that I had like this crazy hyper energy was perfect for the commercial so they were like I feel like that's kind of something that is super unhealthy that happens with child actors it's like that kind of behavior gets rewarded because that's what they want on screen and it's interesting on screen um so it was like keep being crazy keep jumping up and down we love the excitement i was um, the guy who was playing my brother who's older i was like i would like kick him i was crazy i'm not sure why i was so crazy but i got this commercial and acted insane
2: did you have an idea of what you were doing though or was it just like kind of like playing dress up and make believe or were you like no i i want to be an actor
4: no, totally playing dress up and make believe. And it's funny, I say this all the time and I, I'm not sure it works with all children because it is it is such a tough business. But for me, I feel really grateful I started so young because I didn't fully understand it. So when I would get rejected, because you get rejected like literally 24 seven, it didn't really matter that much to me. Like I was just kind of, you know, I, I was kind of like, okay, I'm gonna go play soccer with my friends. I'm like, I was still going to school. I went to school the whole time. Uh, until I was 18, until I finished high school, which doesn't usually happen. Like sometimes people graduate early, which I totally get. Sometimes people are homeschooled. I went to like an actual school and I, I think that was really good for me and something that I needed. But when I was young, I did not have those insecurities that live with you when you're a little bit older and you're trying things out. I didn't have it all. And then by the time when I was in middle school and you those things kind of start building up on you and you're kind of a teen or you're you know, a preteen, I'd already been doing it for five years. So five, six, seven years. So I felt so comfortable in it. I never had that awkward stage or insecurity in my acting with music. hundred percent music was such a different thing for me. It was something I always wanted to do. I didn't get the chance to do it until way later. And I had, I loved it so much that I had these insecurities that were all wrapped into it. Like, you know, am I talented? Am I good? Am I, you know, all the things that kind of go into it with acting. I didn't necessarily have that because by the time that would have started creeping in age wise, I felt so good in it. And I was already kind of doing my 10,000 hours. I I was always in class. I was always doing stuff and really just thought of it as fun.
2: Well, I mean, it's a good thing that you had those feelings as a musician because you need to be a tortured soul. If you're going to be any, like any sort of successful musician. Okay.
4: I, I don't know why it's so, um, it's funny. Cause I actually, I talk about that, um, archetype a lot, right. Of the in pain, tortured soul aspect. And though I don't believe you need that to create good art. There is something that's funny about music in general, when you are putting, something that you've made it's like you just get more emotional and more dramatic it's i don't know it's so strange
2: well it's also a tough thing too because you know for one part of your your career in your life you are pretending to be somebody else totally for all intents and purposes you can be pretending to be somebody else in music for sure especially if you're just a session writer or whatever but a lot of times that's not the case it's you're being yourself almost to a fault. Like you are really exposing yourself really raw to a lot of people. I think about this a lot because I mean, you guys are artists because you're an actor, but are also artists in terms of a musician yeah. or a painter. And I think it's because so much of like your persona is being somebody else that you really need an outlet to be you. It's like a mental health tactic. You guys use a lot.
4: I that's an awesome point. I think that's so true. I think for my acting, I kind of always say it helps Me get in touch with empathy. It helps me get in touch with my empathy, right? Because you're playing these different characters, you have to kind of get in their heads, and there's a a level of empathy that you gain from doing that. But with any kind of other sort of art, whether it's painting or whether it's music, yeah, it's it's a part of you. So it's it's some for me, it's an outlet, hundred percent. Like I even say with the UEP, this whole quarantine this whole year with me working on it. I I really don't know what I would have done if I didn't have it because it, it truly was an outlet and something that I needed to do during this time.
2: I want to go back to you going to school whilst also being a working child actor, because that is not the norm.
4: I was really lucky. I was lucky that I went to a school that was really supportive, um, I was lucky that I kind of had a family to help me balance it out when it was getting too much. Right. But I, I was able to miss school and do the work and then come back when I I could, right. It it ended up just working out so perfectly. There were plenty of times where like extracurriculars I weren't, I wasn't able to do because I was working. And, you know, at the time that would be kind of a bummer. You know, I missed my whale watching field trip in third grade. Um, tragic uh or like the valentine's day dance in middle school with this guy I had a crush on you know so you know some of that stuff definitely you can't be in two places at the same time but being able to do the work and and miss a few days of school that was always acceptable at my school because I would do the work so it got the hardest during high school when I actually went to a different school because the school I went to elementary middle school didn't have a high school which I was so sad about but the high school I went to was amazing as well I mean I lucked out yet again and I was missing way more school in high school than I was necessarily middle school and elementary school because I was on a series I was a series regular for four years on Austin Alley so being able to do both was a lot and I really feel grateful that my school was able to work with me and I feel grateful that the schedule worked out like I would do half of the season for Austin Alley in like the summer and then it would go into the fall semester so I missed the most school in the fall but then I'd be there end of fall semester and be there all of spring semester so it it worked out but it was a lot of work
2: you just brought up Austin and Alley and so that's a good segue into it. So you booked your Disney Channel show. How old were you when you did? And what was that like process like of getting that show?
4: Yeah, so it was a pilot, right? I think, you know, some people don't know that it's even when you get a show, it doesn't necessarily mean it's gonna be going to Disney Channel. But I had kind of made my career in not doing many kids stuff and That was very much not a choice, right? I would have loved to do stuff that my friends watch, but I was always doing kind of this adult stuff. Um, I was like in Dexter. I was in this Adrian Brody, Kira Knightley movie that was like really dark. I was in Superbad. So I was always like in this like older, mature stuff that my friends never could watch. And then in middle school, like I did a couple Nickelodeon things. I did one Nickelodeon guest star and then a Nickelodeon pilot. And that pilot didn't get picked up. It was a whole thing. It looked like it was going to get picked up, and then it didn't get picked up. And picked up means going to series, right? So I started my freshman year of high school. No one really of my friends necessarily that I made in high school knew that I was like an actress or a working actress because they didn't necessarily see the stuff that I was in, um, which was nice. So everyone kind of just got to know me as me, as Laura. Um, And then I auditioned for Austin and Ally, and I really really wanted it and actually before i auditioned for it i was auditioning for another show on disney channel that everyone thought was gonna get picked up was like the show to beat and i got really close to getting that show and i really wanted austin alley though and i couldn't get into the audition room for whatever reason the person my agent is talking to is like, we don't think Laura's right for it. She's just like really outgoing. She's not this character. We're looking for someone who's blonde. So all these kind of different things. And then they couldn't find the girl. Um, And because I was getting close to this other show, we were able to kind of leverage that a little bit of like, you should see her for this, like, come on. And so finally I went in for Austin Alley. The producers really liked me. I went in to test for it and at the end of the test, I always say this. Um, you know, there's four main characters. It's Austin, Allie, Trish, Des. So there was one person. Des wasn't testing for that time. But there was one person for Trish, and it was Rainy Rodriguez, who got the part. There was one person for Austin, and that was Ross Lynch, who got the part. And then there were two girls for Allie. So I ended that day having no idea if I was going to get it or not. And the other girl was blonde, and... I'm like, oh my God, I'm not going to get it. I've turned down this other Disney Channel show because I'm doing this. I didn't turn it down, but I turned down like the aspect of like testing for anything. Um, And so I was just freaking out. And then, you know, three days passed, four days, the longest days of my life, because we tested on a Saturday, which isn't super common. And then I got a phone call from someone who's like a family friend who was like, congratulations, I'm so excited for you. This is such a big deal. And I'm like, uh, what? What is happening? And turns out I'd gotten it and my mom told this family friend, but she didn't tell me yet. And so the family friend told me. So I got the show and it was the most incredible pilot experience of my life. It just clicked. And again, we didn't know if we were gonna get picked up because we were basically competing with this other show. Um, I had such a good experience and every day I was just like, please let this show get picked up, please, please, please. And we tested really high. The other show did not get picked up. We got picked up. Um, and my mom told me (laughs) so uncomfortable, but kind of amazing told me by, uh, coming into my honors bio class and giving me emotions and balloons and said congrats your show got picked up and i was like i'm so excited but this is so weird right now like this is i'm in the middle of otter's bio like i'm learning about mitochondria this is so strange um and of course like none of my friends know what a show picked up means. Like they're like, what is? I missed two weeks when I was filming the pilot, and everyone was like, "Where were you?" And I was like, "Oh, I was shooting a pilot." They're like, "That's dangerous." Yeah. What happened? You shot a pilot? Um, uh, <laughs> so you know, no one knew what it meant. It was a very confusing day, but I was so excited, and the show went on to you know be on Disney Channel for four years. And after it was on, obviously everyone was like, "Oh, that's what you meant," and that's what happened, and blah blah blah. But it was, it was a, a very exciting, crazy uh, experience and situation of when I found I got picked up.
2: Did like your classmates treat you differently after the show got picked up and was on TV?
4: No, to be honest, that's what. That's why I say everything happened, I'm, I feel really lucky about it. Because I think if I started high school or I started with this show already being on Disney Channel, I would have had a very different high school experience. But because I had that quote unquote groundwork of that first year of everyone at school getting to know me and not knowing that I was like necessarily an actress or I was gonna be on Disney Channel, it was more like Allura's on a Disney show Rather than that, Disney girl goes to high school with us. You know, I knew another girl who came in to my high school who did it kind of opposite, right? She was on a show and then she came here and she didn't have a great experience, which sucks. And I I feel um, pretty bad about that because I kind of pushed this high school for her. Um, But I think it's because it's really hard to break that ice, it's really hard to do that when you already feel a little on edge or insecure that people are recognizing you and if people are actually recognizing you and and kind of treating you different. So I didn't really have that as I got older, you know, and people were coming in. Yes. That kind of became the case. Like I really saw that in senior year when I, um, I was a senior and like the freshmen who were coming in were like pretty starstruck and excited. I, by the way, when I would go to high school, I looked disgusting. Like I looked literally so gross. Like, Clothes did not fit me well. We had a uniform, but like, yeah. No, 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 way worse. Way worse. Way worse than
2: what I'm doing right now?
4: (laughs) Way worse. Oh my God. I was, it was, I looked disgusting. So I would, you know, be uh, washing my hands in the bathroom and I'd have freshmen come up being like, hey, can we take a picture? And I'm like, uh, sure. But it was a, it overall was a pretty special, great experience that I was able to go to high school.
2: And so was that the the thing that really kind of launched your career was getting to do that show?
4: Definitely. I would say on the music side for sure, yeah. because you know, it had music. I, I did not know how to get in the music industry before. I had no kind of connections. It's the acting world and the music industry are different. They really, really are. And so that opened so many doors for me musically, you know, acting in some ways it did in other ways. It, was a little difficult because I think you do have that, that tattoo on you of you're a Disney kid. And so people think about, think of you a little bit differently, Casting directors, you know, I I would get frustrated because as we've been talking about, I've been acting since I've been five and yet I was getting judged for, you know, the four years I was on Disney channel and I was a Disney kid. Right. Every issue I've run into because I was a quote-unquote Disney kid, I kind of just roll with because I recognize it's a pretty awesome opportunity, gives you a pretty amazing platform. So I'm focusing on that rather than, yes, some of the negatives that come with it, which are very present for
2: sure. What is one piece of advice that you would give people, a thing that you've found that helps you become successful, not even in music or uh acting or the entertainment industry just, just just in terms of being successful in life that you've found through your travels
4: yeah i think uh, two things kind of come to mind that i think are both pretty important on one hand something that i'm always still working on but i'll just give this advice because if someone could have like a head start on this i think it's really helpful boundaries are so important boundaries in all of life in any career, in any personal way is going to be important. But I think in the entertainment industry, it's so easy to become really close with people that you work professionally with. And that can be a tough situation. It's really easy to have it completely take over your life, you know, especially in quarantine for the past you know, few months, it was really tough for me to kind of live those boundaries because I was just working literally 24 seven. Um, but before quarantine, I was kind of doing that too. So having those boundaries for yourself, I think is gonna, is really important on the, on your personal mental health, emotional, psychological level. Um, and I think you should never be afraid to make boundaries for yourself and you should stick with them. But on another note, right seemingly kind of uh on the on the contrary don't be afraid to step out of your comfort zone with your work right so not necessarily like relationships or setting boundaries for your time and energy but with your actual work don't be afraid to jump and to leap even if you think you might fall down and fall on your face because you can always get up I I like to say, which I have heard, I've not created it, but we always think that failure is the opposite of success when the truth is failure is on the road to success. So you shouldn't be afraid of that failure. You shouldn't be devastated when that failure comes because that is all of the things that are going to be present on your journey to success. For me, there were definitely many times when I didn't want to do certain things, not because I didn't want to do it, but because I was Afraid of failure. And that really hindered me in a lot of ways. And so getting out of that headspace, I think, is super important with your career, again, in any shape, way, or form, not necessarily just the entertainment industry, but in in any kind of career.
2: Yeah, I think about it a lot. And I've done radio for a very long time. And it doesn't really make me nervous anymore just because I've done it for so long. But like there are things that still make me nervous, like getting on stage. Doing things on TV stuff I know is not my big skill set, but it gives me anxiety and fear. And I've always thought that, like, when I'm doing those things that make me scared or whatever, it's because I'm getting outside of my comfort zone. What I'm scared of is the fact that I could fail. And the reason why it's important is because it matters to me if I fail because I want to be good at this thing. And if so, fact, so one is a, a byproduct of another. Not failing leads to success but you have to like give a to not want to fail to become successful. So I hear that. The other thing that I thought was interesting is because you brought it up. I've been around people who are nightmares to work with. I've always found that those people, they could be the greatest freaking actor in the world. They could be the greatest, whatever they are in the world, but eventually it catches up with them. And being a wonderful person to work with is like always the best way to continue to become successful. And I thought the the Robert De Niro thing, it was really interesting where he sat down and he wrote a note to everyone and he made everyone be like, oh my God, it's so great to work with Robert De Niro.
4: 100%. And that's
2: such a helpful thing going forward, you know, because you weren't the lead in this movie, but you could be like the lead in the next big whatever thing, but, or you could be EPing the next big thing that you're starring in and they're like, "Ah, dude, who do we need for so-and-so? And you could be like, you know what? I mean, this... Bob, Robert De Niro is not a great example because everyone would, of course, want Robert De Niro. But like if it was a micro scale where you were like, man, I worked on this show this one time with so-and-so and and they were so fun to work with and they brought the energy every single day and I loved it. I want that person, you know, like it's one of those things that perpetuates itself. So I I was reading up on you and I heard that that you use a flip phone and I just got to know what's going on.
4: Yeah. So actually I have a flip phone and then I have an iPad, which I have right here. Yeah. Um, Yeah. Yeah, I have just always done it. I I wish I had a better explanation. Um, I do have reasons why I do it, um, but I think there is a level of I've just always done it. And so that's kind of my life. Of course, for me, there's the option of completely going off the grid without going off the grid with my family or my team. Like they can call me on my cell phone but I don't have to be like on emails or social media and everything I just have my flip phone. There's also the the way of I drop my flip phone on literally a daily basis and it never breaks. I know if I had an iPhone with me and used it the same way, it would break. I I know it for an absolute fact. So I don't know. I think it's just kind of part of me for a little bit. I'm not sure I will always just have a flip phone, but I have had it since I've been 12.
2: Is it a mental health thing to like, keep you separated from trolls and stuff
4: yeah kind of that was i think in some ways kind of how i justified it and i still kind of justify it but i think at the end of the day i also just really like my flip phone
2: wait can i still have it with you guys see it
4: yeah hold i want to get it really quick okay. it's
2: like oh. it's like looking into the past
4: uh, uh, oh, one new voicemail
2: oh wow is it an lg
4: it's an LG, baby. Yeah, it
2: is. <laughs> yeah. All right, Laura, I'm, yeah. I'm running out of time with you, but before I let you go, can we do rapid fire questions? Yep. All right, rapid fire questions right now with Laura Murano. Uh, Favorite pizza topping? Uh,
4: nothing, like a plane. Favorite book? East of Eden.
2: Mine too, actually. Really? Yeah. It's so
4: amazing. Big Steinbeck, big
2: Steinbeck fan over here. Who was your first kiss?
4: A boy in high school at a school dance.
2: What was the first concert you went to?
4: The Dave Matthews Band.
2: Mine too. Stop it. This is weird.
4: Stop it.
2: Yeah, Charlotte Amphitheater in uh, Mountain View, California.
4: Hollywood Bowl in um, Hollywood, California. Yeah.
2: yeah. <laughs> uh, what was your first job?
4: Um, JC commercial.
2: What was your first car?
4: Still have it. My Mercedes SUV.
2: What's your favorite flower? Sunflower. Mine too. This is crazy.
4: Well, what, what is yeah. happening? What
2: was the first record or cassette or CD you bought?
4: Britney Spears one more time. No, that
2: was not mine. Halloween's coming up. Who, what are you going to be for Halloween?
4: Um, It's a surprise, but my sister wants to do something Nicolas Cage themed. So that's the, that's the inspiration behind the costume.
2: Okay. What's one thing that's always in your fridge? Ginger. What animals do you wish you could talk to?
4: <gasps> Dolphins.
2: Do you believe in soulmates? Yes. Who's your celebrity crush? <laughs>
4: George Clooney.
2: <laughs> Mine too. <No. laughs> I knew it. Last one. I saw that you're a big Harry Potter fan. What house would you be in?
4: Gryffindor. Yeah. I mean, come
2: on. Right? Give me a break. Yeah. The new movie's called The War with Grandpa. It's out on October 9th. And the new EP is called You. The new single on said EP is called Can't Help Myself. Uh, Laura Marano, thank you so much for being on the show. I got to ask you a lot of questions but the last one generally is the most important. Is there anything that you want to talk about or promote that I didn't ask you about?
4: I think you killed it. Thanks. I feel really good. Everything we talked about. I guess I just want to take a second to really thank everyone who follows me and supports me and who's been listening to this EP. I truly would be nowhere without you guys. And I love you all so, so, so much. So thank you, thank you, thank you.
2: Well, thank you, Laura. This was so much fun. Uh, your story is crazy. If there are people out there that don't follow you, that want to follow you, where do they go follow you?
4: Yeah, so Twitter and Instagram is Laura Morano, And I'm going to spell that out for you because sometimes people think I'm saying Lauren. My name is not Lauren, it's Laura. Um, uh, I'm not bitter about it. L-A-U-R-A-M-A-R-A-N-O. And then my Facebook is Laura Morano Official. And I have a TikTok account and I think it's Laura Morano.
2: Yeah. (laughs) I think. Thank you again so much. And, you know, see you around.
4: See you around. This is so lovely. And I feel like I really also got to know your dog. Yeah. uh, Which has been awesome. Thank you so much.
2: Yep. See ya. Bye. Well, if she isn't just the cutest thing in the world. It's amazing to me. Like those stories of kid actors always just blow my mind because- it's almost like not to do the whole bachelor thing, but it very much is like got into it for the right reasons. You come across a lot of actors and just people that want to be in the entertainment industry and they get into it because they want to be famous, which is like, just, we've talked about it a lot. I think Cordova Overstreet and I were talking about it. It's like, if you get into it for that, you're already off on a bad foot. You know, like you're trying to do something not for, well, for lack of a better cliche for the right reasons, and you should do it because you love doing it, because you're good at it, and because you are passionate about it. And kid actors, I think, uh, epitomize all of those things. Because one, they have no concept of money in terms of like, I can buy a Tesla or a Benz with the money that I'm making from this J.C. Penny commercial. No, it's like, oh, I get to go be silly on set with a bunch of people and call the director dad. Like, that's just fun for them. And they also have no concept of fame really, because they're not watching you know, E or buying Us Weekly and stuff. It's just purely because they like doing the thing that they're doing. And I always find it very interesting to talk to those people about their run of success because it never started from a bad place. It always started from, I love just doing this one thing and I want to continue doing it forever. And it's also very, very rare to know what you want to do at a very young age. I mean, it took me until I think I was 17 when I had my first radio show to be like, this is what I want to do, you know? I was an adult then. Anyways, Laura Murano is freaking awesome. Obviously, very talented if you get to... <laughs> star in a movie alongside Robert De Niro and also put out an EP all within a couple months of each other. So yeah, go follow her. And again, thanks guys for listening to the podcast. If you you like it, please go rate and review on the Apple and Play stores. That helps with the algorithm. More people listening to it. And also if you dig on it, tell your friends that they should listen to this great podcast with this reality TV douchebag who decided to wear a tie-dye sweater to an interview. So unprofessional, but Here we are, okay? It is what it is. Last thing, at Wells Adams on all social platforms, if there are people that you want me to have on this show specifically, tweet me or Instagram me, DM me, all that kind of stuff. There's also uh, an Instagram page specifically for this show called The Wells Cash. Just type it in. I always tag it when I do my stories about who we've got on. But if there are anyone specifically that you want me to interview, dude, hit us up, man. I'd love to have them on this show, you know? All right, Uh, I'm out.
3: Later. Subscribe to Wellscast on iHeartRadio, Apple Podcasts, or anywhere you get your podcasts. It's the internet. What's up, y'all? Janice Torres here.
1: And I'm Austin Hankwitz.
3: We're the hosts of Mind the Business, small business success stories, a podcast presented by iHeartRadio's Ruby Studios and Intuit QuickBooks.
0: And some waves, so we can go surfing.
2: I oh, yeah. <laughs> ah, love that. A redwood forest would be cool. I'm in. Ah,
1: <laughs> 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 ski slopes. Let's do it. Um, Tanner, a girl go shopping? <laughs> yeah, baby! Wait!
2: Did we just invent California?
1: Discover why California is the
3: ultimate playground at visitcalifornia.com.